a beautiful Sabbath day, isn't it? My wife, Lori, and I, we are honored that you asked us to come and speak today. We come from the Oxford Church. Our church is about half as big as this church. But it's really a blessing for us to be here to worship with you today. I, uh, I'm going to tell you a couple of stories this morning. And the story that I'm going to tell you is not a new story. And before I'm through today, everyone here will be able to identify with one or more of the Bible characters. This is not going to be a where were you story, or is it? You know the stories that Jesus told? He told stories before um, a very diverse group of people. There were poor people, rich people. There were sinners, there were good people, so-called. There were the leaders, there were the followers. And the stories that Jesus told did not have definitive endings. You see, the stories that Jesus told was before they invented Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey used to like to tell you the rest of the story. We don't know how many of these stories ended. They were all entirely up to the people. Pray with me. Father in heaven, I asked you to guide me when I wrote this sermon. I asked you to speak through me today the message that I am going to give. Guide me and bless this congregation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 15. Luke 15. We're going to be reading of the oldest book today. I'm going to tell you the story, the parable of the lost son. Jesus speaking. And a certain man had two sons. And the younger one of them said to his father, Give to me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided them up his livelihood. Today we would call that liquidation, wouldn't we? You know, according to Deuteronomy 21.17, the oldest of the children would have got a double portion of, the, of his father's estate. So the younger would be getting a third of his father's estate. And he was probably under a moral obligation to use the inheritance in a way pleasing to his father. Let's read this story. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together 
and journeyed into a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal living. We don't really know what that means. We have an idea. I got a note in my notes that says he hit the deck running. He was going full bore. He says, I'm a man. I can do this by myself. Who needs rules? Who needs rules? This, we're not going to go into the full story today because we don't have time. Let's go down to verse 19. This is the son. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran. And ran. And fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. You know, this kid had a long time to think about this. He had a whole list of things that he was going to explain to his dad. His dad didn't want to hear it, did he? His dad didn't want to hear it. Isn't it funny that parents can hear what they want to hear? But that, you know, isn't that something, but they can hear you sneaking in late at night? Parents can turn that thing. I think that parents did that before they invented hearing aids. They can hear what they want to hear. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us be merry. Let us eat and be merry. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore the father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. Isn't that something? Let's go back to verse 28. But he was angry and would not go out. Therefore his father came out. Isn't that interesting? 
The first one, he came running to see his son. And this one that says that his father came out. Verse 30. But as soon as this son of yours came, who was devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Remember, he already divided his estate. He says, All that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I got a note in my notes that says, Where was the prodigal? You know, contrary to popular belief, our Father in Heaven knows where every one of us are at all times. Do you ever think about that? He knows where each one of His children are at all time, and we are His children. Both of His sons were lost. One knew it, one didn't. The father wanted, he waited for each of his sons. Ever think about that? Both of them were lost. One knew it, one didn't. One squandered his wealth in the world, and one wasted his time on the farm. And I put in parentheses, in the pew. Neither was going anywhere. Neither was going anywhere. One broke all the rules, and one followed all the rules. Everyone knows who the bad one was. Only the father knew about the good one. And he was waiting for both. He was waiting for both to recognize his need. One is obvious, one is oblivious. Both are lost. One was in the house, one was out of the house. You know, both of the sons knew that his father loved them, and both of them were trying to make it on their own. Friends, we can't make it on our own, can we? One was so busy being bad until he recognized that he had a need of forgiveness. One was so busy being good that he didn't have room for forgiveness. Remember the Pharisees? They were so good 
they didn't need anything. Got a new chapter here. Both of these boys set her face towards home. One from the world and one from the field. Both of them were coming home. One in rags, one in rage. One squanders his promise or his inheritance, and the other one was working for his promise or his inheritance. Both are oblivious of the gift. We talked about that this morning at Sabbath School. A gift has to be accepted to be realized. Is that true? It doesn't do any good when it's still in the box. God waits. God knows. And when a need is recognized, God makes his move. Remember we read in verse 28, therefore his father came out to him. He went to both of his sons, didn't he? Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 31. I don't even think you have to turn to it. I think everybody knows it. Let's read it. Jeremiah 31. We're going to read it. We should think about this every day. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. I like your horses, I have drawn thee. You know, it is the Holy Spirit that works on the heart of everyone, doesn't it? We don't, of our own volition, decide that we need to make a move. We're going to go back to Matthew 20. Got another story I want to tell you. Matthew 20. Now I'm going to start at verse 12. The story I'm going to tell today is the story about the, the workers in the vineyard, the householder. It's time to harvest. So he was going to go recruit some help. I'll be reading verse 12. Jesus speaking. Saying, these last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. Wait a minute. How come you paid those guys the same as you paid us? We talked about that this morning at Sabbath school. The first be last, the last be first. What is this? 
But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am, going, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? That would be a day's wages in those days. Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. I know that the verse says many are called and few chosen. I like to say many are called, but few have chosen. It's a choice that we have to make. God calls every one of us, doesn't he? He says, I stand at the door and knock. I got a note in there, is it a gift or is it wages? Is it a gift or is it wages? The first shall be last. Now we as Adventists, we believe that we are very, very near to the end of time. <clears throat> According to uh, Daniel's prediction of the 2300 days in the statue we believe that we are probably in the very toes in the sequence of time according to the 2300 day prediction prophecy so we are way at the tail end aren't we wouldn't it be something to be standing on alongside of one of the leaders of the apostolic church? Do you think that if you'd be standing alongside of one of the leaders of the church, you would consider it a gift or would you consider it wages? Would it be with joy or would it be with murmuring? Can you imagine standing alongside of Paul and you say, hi, I, I do what uh, you did, just not as much of it. But you know what, I probably wouldn't even be standing here today if it wouldn't have been for some of the stuff that you wrote. Do you think Paul is going to say all of that work I did and hear this guy standing alongside of me? Do you think that that's going to happen in heaven? Do you think that if you are in heaven, you will receive it with joy or with murmuring? Let's go back to Luke 18. Got another story. Luke 18. note in my Bible says Jesus counsels the rich young ruler 
Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. I got a note that I wrote here, it says, Jesus is reading the heart of this ruler. Did you notice that the first four commandments aren't mentioned? That's man's obligation to God. The ones that Jesus quoted to him were five through nine, if you stop and look at it. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And the ruler says, you know, I, these are all the things that I do. He was a good guy. I got a note here that I wrote, heaven will not be full of good guys. There's going to be an awful lot of good guys that just ain't going to make it, you know that? Do you know the one commandment that was not mentioned? Number 10. Thou shalt not covet. Like I said, Jesus was reading his heart. Thou shalt not covet. Rich man's folly, commandment number 10. Do you know of any rich man that didn't want more? Seriously? And you know, in order to get wealth, or a great deal of wealth, it's got to come from somewhere, don't it? King Ahab, remember he had, he owned all of Israel and he wanted Naboth's vineyard. Thou shalt not covet rich man's folly, the earthly God. Lukewarm. Does everybody know what lukewarm is? Lukewarm in Wisconsin would probably be uh, June and September. Otherwise, it's cold or hot. <laughs> anyway, lukewarm. Third generation Christian. Followed all the rules. Suffered. Denied self of all of the fun stuff. Straight-laced. Not cold enough to be bad and not warm enough to be godly. That's what Jesus would call lukewarm. 
Is it love or is it rules? Is it love or is it rules that motivate us to follow Jesus? You know, God only gave us ten don'ts, didn't he? But he gave us an awful lot of do's, an awful lot of things that we can do. He gave us infinitely more ways to come to him. He gives us choice. He gives us grace. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us strength. He gives us companionship. And on and on and on. And he invites us to look to him. To follow him. To learn of him. To commune with him. He gave us the Sabbath. To be with him. And most of all, love him in return. He gives us that option. God is love, and he loves his little children. Remember that song? Jesus loves the little children of the world. Friends, we are his little children. He made us in his image. God is love. God loves. God knows, and God waits. He doesn't hound us, does he? He waits. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. God wants every one of us to be a part of his stories. He's not willing that any should perish. You know, the sad thing about it is is that many people just don't get it. They're like number two son, or number actually number one son. You think you gotta work for everything you're gonna get. It's not what the Bible tells us, is it? You know, the verdict is still out. Remember I told you that Jesus' parables don't have definitive endings. The verdict is still out. Your destiny is not over with until the end. It's not over with until the end. End of life or end of the world. Paul says, I die daily lest in the end I myself should be a castaway. Isn't that something? Jesus says, He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And that's the story that I want to be in. How about you? Our most gracious Father in heaven, 
You have given us your son. You have given us the promise that when we need him, he is near. We claim that promise. Be with us now the rest of this Sabbath day. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.